but it is so lovely to be with you today. It's been a long time since I've been out here, and do you know what I'm always encouraged by is to see new faces and meet new people, uh, and I know that Jeremiah and Sierra have been in a season of speaking into building, uh, building the church, building community, and I have to say, uh, in terms of planting this church and building on uh, what has gone before in Travis, what a time to try and build it has been. Uh, so it's so exciting now to feel like that sense of, uh, well, let's, I can't say the sense of uncertainty is gone. I don't think we can ever be certain in our world at the moment. But to be in a place again where we can actually look forward to the future in confidence and start building rather than maintaining, rather than treading water, rather than managing uh, what's happening. So it's an exciting time to be in the church. And I want to encourage you. Uh, we chose Jeremiah and Sarah as the campus pastors here because of their ability to build relationships and build community. It's something that's on their lives, and I know that that's something that they've been speaking to you guys about. And I'm just excited to see how you guys are going to build. We've had so many delays, as you know, the building out there. <laughs> The wheels are starting to turn, but it has been slow. But I believe that uh, as we see the, the active work of the building happening out there, there's going to be a real shift and change in this community and a real ability to reach out and make connections and know that this, this, is, this is permanent. There is, there's going to be permanent change to the community because all of you are in it and all of you will make a difference with the people around you. So exciting times. Um, and I'm going to take a complete tangent in terms of messaging today. Uh, I actually don't preach very often, and that's by choice. It's not my favourite thing. <laughs> it's something I do out of obedience, but if the Lord speaks to me and gives me something on my heart that I feel is for the church, I'll be obedient to bring it. Uh, and so that is what I'm doing today. So sorry, it's a little bit out of your normal uh, messaging at the moment. But recently, when I was sitting in a service meant to be listening to the preaching of my husband, uh, the words, throw off your grave clothes, jumped into my head, which was very random at the time. And I was reminded of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And over the coming days, the thoughts kind of stayed with me so strongly, I really felt that God was asking me to share on it. So we'll be using that passage of scripture about Lazarus as our text today. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a little of what I feel God is saying for us as the church our church, and for you as individuals. It's time, church, for us all to have a deep conviction and faith that goes further than just belief in a concept, but that what the scriptures say is true. It matters for us today, and we need to live our lives by it. We are in days where darkness is encroaching the earth, and if we don't have the love of the Father, the light of Christ, the truth of the word, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will get swallowed up in confusion and apathy. This is not a, <clears throat> a time to coast by in your faith by just turning up to church on a Sunday morning, even by going to Christian events or having Christian friends and hoping at the end of the day it's enough to get by, to tick a, a, tick a box next to your name in the book of life. However, if you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you believe that he died on the cross for you and was resurrected three days later, that he took your sin upon himself so that a right relationship was restored between us and the Father, if you believe that and have confessed it, you are saved into eternity with him. It's great news. However, if you truly believe that, then you also must believe the rest of the Bible. 
And there's a lot in there about how following Jesus requires some things of us. There are promises in there about God's love for us, about the power of his name to overcome the devil. There are instructions for us to live sacrificially and missionally, to love our neighbours and lay our life down for others. Instructions to be obedient to God's word, examples of the miracle-working power of God that are still for today. That stuff requires more than just a belief. It requires faith to live it out, to lay hold of it as truth and apply it to our lives. Today we're going to talk about being blind and bound, how not seeing the truth leads us to living in bondage instead of freedom, death instead of life. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. He has set before us, church, life and death, blessings and and curses, and he instructs us to choose life, to love God, listen to him, and hold fast to him. And today I want to talk about some of the ways that we are still choosing death over life in our lives, and I feel God is calling us out of it. Let's pick up our story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 38 to 44. To give some context to where we start, it's helpful to know that Jesus had already received word that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, you may remember them from another story, and they had sent the news hoping that Jesus would come and heal him from his sickbed. Jesus proclaimed to his disciples that Lazarus' sickness would not end in death, but that it was for God's glory to be shown. He stayed where he was for another two days and then made the journey to Judea. However, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had died and had been in the tomb for four days. I don't know about you, there's a bit of, if only you had come earlier, you could have healed him. And that kind of was the attitude that came from Martha and Mary, which is understandable. But what's interesting is that even though Jesus knows he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he weeps when he sees the sisters and the crowd of Jews that are weeping. It says he was deeply moved in spirit. And the shortest scripture in the Bible arrives, Jesus wept. In a typical religious fashion, there are some who murmur about the love that Jesus had for Lazarus, and then there are others who said, couldn't he have kept him from dying if the same man who healed the blind man was here today? Admiration and faith, or cynicism and doubt. Two postures we can still have in the church today. They're alive and well. Are we arms crossed and sitting back? Just having a look today. It wasn't personal. Are we arms crossed and sitting back, or are we leaning in and pursuing Jesus? So let's read our scripture from John 11. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet, wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There's a few things to draw out of this passage. Firstly, Martha's response to Jesus as he asks for the tomb to be opened. Don't you think she would be excited? Like Jesus, the son of God, has turned up here. He's going to do a miracle. Wouldn't you be excited? Surely a miracle's going to happen. But instead she cautions him. Oh, no, Jesus. There is the stench of death in there. Lazarus has been dead for four days. I want to relate this to us today because I think that there are many of us who have areas of sin or brokenness or shame in our lives that we won't let Jesus have access to for fear of the stench of death. I couldn't, I couldn't let Jesus into my pornography addiction or my lies or my cheating or my deep grief and pain, my abuse, my fear, my doubt, my rage, you fill in the blank. It stinks. Like, really, it's repulsive, Lord. You can't come in here, Jesus. There's only death here. But listen to what Jesus says to Martha. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Remember the truth of the word. It says that Jesus will heal, redeem, deliver, save, set free, raise to life, and the promise is you will see the glory of God. So what made Jesus enter the tomb? Was it religious duty? Was it because of the expectations of those around him? Did he just want to prove the naysayers wrong and raise Lazarus to life to prove a point? No, the scripture here tells us after he wept, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It's the compassion of God that motivates Jesus to open the tomb. In the stench of death, he wants to resurrect us out of our sin and shame and our brokenness and our pain. There's no judgment. There's no like holding his nose as he comes near to us. He weeps for us. And with compassion and love, he brings the dead places in us back to life. He calls us out by name. Jesus prays, and this he does as a demonstration to those around him so that they understand that it was the Father who sent him. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. I'm just saying it out loud so the people will believe. I love that. Oh, to have the faith that what we hear in the word of God and what we pray according to God's will shall be done. That is the faith that God is calling us to and to trust in his timing and his way of outworking the answer. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I find it interesting here that he didn't say, Lazarus, come to life, but come out. Jesus, in his prayer, did not ask God to raise Lazarus to life. He thanked him for already having heard and then gave the command to Lazarus to guide him out of the darkness. So let's picture Lazarus at this moment. The Bible says his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen. We're going to have a picture up behind me. And he had a cloth around his face. So this is typically... I get out of the way. This is typically uh, the kind of grave clothes back then that you were wrapped in in the tomb and placed in the tomb. I find it an interesting parallel that even though grave clothes generally covered the whole body, that this scripture makes specific mention of the napkin covering Lazarus's face and his hands and feet being bound. 
As the church, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we are mandated to be the mouthpiece of the gospel. And unfortunately, as modern Christians, some of us never take off our grave clothes, and we can live our entire lives in these rotten, smelly rags that represent the death and corruption of our old sin nature. Jesus' command of come out Lazarus is like his call to us today, both his people and his church. Stop living as if you were dead. Stop living as if you were dead. You've been raised to life by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, out of sin and death, into righteousness and life. Not only that, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. How much more alive can we be? As a church, a collective gathering can only reflect the life and the faith of its believers. And while I passionately love our church, I feel that God is saying there is more available that he has promised. There is more to come as we lay hold of his promises and of the truth of the word. Some of us are still walking around with our grave clothes on. We have life, but maybe not liberty. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life in its fullness. He's come to set the captives free. Those are both scriptural promises. I want to give you a personal example today of how I was living in the freedom of Christ, but still choosing to wear my grave clothes. Some of you may know, I don't know if everyone here has has heard my story, but when I was younger, I got caught up in a number of occult practices, uh, Ouija boards, spirit writing, calling on the dead, all those, those kinds of things. There became a real battle over my life, to the point where demons appeared to me in my room and I felt constantly followed wherever I went. I'm so thankful that God exposed where I was at because I was keeping this life very hidden. And the life that I was hiding from my family came to light and I was able to receive prayer and freedom from the spiritual torment I was living in. I walked away from every occult practice and I discovered the power that was in the name of Jesus. It was amazing. But later on, many years later, even though I was totally free and forgiven from these practices, I found myself being drawn back into watching like videos on ghosts and mediums and other supernatural counterfeits. Ultimately, I was alive in Christ, but choosing to put back on my grave clothes, that stuff reeked of death. And again, I needed the quiet conviction of the Holy Spirit to remind me that I needed to choose life in its fullness and focus my spiritual curiosity on the power of God, not the counterfeit of the enemy. Throwing off grave clothes isn't always a one-time thing. Proverbs says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I know it's a disgusting thought, but it's so true. In our foolishness, we return to the things that we have been set free from. However, in his mercy and grace and being clothed with Christ instead of grave clothes, not only did he set me free, but he turned my sin into ministry, seeing other people set free from the demons that bind them. What a God we serve. He takes death and he turns it to life. It's interesting to know that after Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus' own death and resurrection took place shortly after. It's hard to know the exact time frame, but from what I've researched, it could be anywhere between two weeks and a couple of months. But it was a relatively short time. In fact, Scripture tells us that Lazarus was present at a meal with Jesus just six days before he was crucified. What an amazing picture. A man who had been raised to life by Jesus and Jesus, who was about to face his own death and resurrection, eating together. Jesus 
sinless. He was the son of God and yet called himself son of man to identify his humanity with us. Fully divine yet completely human. The religious and self-righteous of the day condemned him to death on a cross. A crown of thorns on his head, his body whipped and beaten. His hands and feet nailed to the cross. And he was given a sponge of vinegar to drink from when he was thirsty. He bore the weight of our sin, sickness, shame and death. And he wore separation from God in that most horrific but beautiful exchange of his death for our eternity. Our sin and defeat to his righteousness and victory. Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 5 is called Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. At one time, we were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, and we conducted our lives according to the pattern of the world, essentially following Satan by default. And we lived in our grave clothes, serving the passions of our flesh and the desires of our minds and our bodies, because by nature, we were dead to God and alive to our grave clothes, which represent us in nature. What a frightening sight if we saw people from this true spiritual perspective. It would look like some kind of horror movie. Dead people wandering around with vacant stairs covered in rotting clothes as they do their wicked deeds, like some kind of zombie movie. This is the spiritual reality, that without Christ you are as good as dead because of the sin nature. Yet he calls us by name and says, come out, take off your grave clothes. Jesus too was wrapped in grave clothes and put in a tomb. John chapter 20 verse 1 to 8. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, guess who that was, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Not competitive at all, these disciples, are they? He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Grave clothes that had been left behind as Jesus was resurrected back to life before ascending to the right hand of the Father. The account of Lazarus' re resurrection showed us a man being brought back to life physically, and Jesus showed us what coming back to life, both physically and spiritually, would mean for us all. When Martha and Jesus were speaking, and Jesus said, your brother will rise again, Martha responded, yes, I know he will rise again in the next life. But Jesus said, from John 11:25, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked Martha a question. Do you believe this? And today Jesus is asking you, do you believe this? Do you truly believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe he is who he says he is? Are you willing to trust him and take the act of throwing off your grave clothes to follow him? Are you willing to first let him into your tomb with the stench of death and allow his love and compassion and grace to bring you back to life? When you take off your grave clothes and the napkin off your face, then you can see things that you didn't see before. You can now have eyes of faith and hope, for you were blind, but now you see. Your ears are no longer covered, so you can hear clearly. And your mouth is no longer obstructed, so you can speak with conviction the saving grace and good news of the gospel. Your feet are unbound, so you can follow Jesus without restraint. Your hands are unwrapped, so they can receive and show the mercy of God to others. If you're listening today and you haven't accepted the truth that Jesus Christ died for you, you personally, because he loves you, he is knocking on that tomb with love and compassion in his eyes and his arms stretched out to you. Nothing is too dark. No stench is too foul. No sin is too great. His greatest desire is that you would put your trust in him and accept the freedom that he has already purchased on the cross for you. He's already done it. He's already taken on your every sin and defeated both sin and death as he rose from the tomb. He has already made a way for you to have relationship with Father God. He promised for you that the Holy Spirit will be with you every day to help you, and he would fill you and empower you for the days to come, the days that we live in right now. Will you accept it? Will you throw off the grave clothes of unbelief and accept the freedom of salvation and the hope of eternity? If you're here today and you want to respond to this, I'd really encourage you after the service to come and speak to one of the team or to myself and would love to lead you in a prayer of accepting Jesus into your life. It's Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Can the worship team join me? For everyone else this morning, I feel like there's still some business to be done. Church, today it's time to throw the grave clothes off and truly accept what Christ has done for us and act accordingly. How? One, choose life. It's a choice to walk out of the tomb. Two, believe with faith that Jesus is who he said he was. And three, get help whether it's prayer, whether it's counselling, whether it's accountability with somebody you trust. This is not a message just for people who are newly saved or new on their journey of faith. There are people who have been bound in their grave clothes for 50 years. It's almost easier to just carry on and accept that we are the way we are. We have to live the way we've lived with what's in our lives then choose to face the pain and choose to face the healing process. But I think God is saying, by your name, come out, come out of the tomb. 
Throw off the grave clothes of apathy. Throw off the grave clothes of shame. Throw off the grave clothes of self-pity. Throw off grave clothes of hopelessness. Throw off the grave clothes of victimhood. Throw off the grave clothes of sin and secrets. Throw off the grave clothes of grief and past hurts that are holding us in the tomb. Church, let's collectively throw off the grave clothes of doubt and lay hold of the promises in the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us be a church that is fully alive in the redeeming and transforming power of God at work within us and the eternal hope that we each have. Will we have suffering on this earth? Yes. Will we have troubles? Yes. Will we grow weak and die at some point? Yep. Will people hurt us? Undoubtedly. Will we fail at times? Yeah, we will. But the resurrection power of Christ lives within us throughout it all. We are more alive in Him than people who don't know Him yet. So let's act like it and choose to remove those grave clothes that bind us. Romans 13 verse 11 to 14 says this, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What will you choose to throw off? And what will you clothe yourself with today? Would you please stand if you're able and give me the privilege of praying for you? Let's take a moment to really open our hearts and respond. Ask God to sift our hearts. He sees things that sometimes we don't even know are there. We've become so accustomed to, we've become so used to living with. But maybe God's saying today, enough, enough. And just allow Him to do whatever He needs to do within you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved us and set us free by your finished work on the cross. Today we give you permission and access to every part of our lives to expose those areas of death and darkness that we are still living with. Show us, Lord, where we are still bound in grave clothes. By the power in the name of Jesus, I take authority over death and deception. I take authority over apathy and unbelief. I bind them in the grave clothes that are meant for them. And I command them to be loosed from your sons and daughters right now in Jesus' name. We cancel every contract previously made with the enemy, knowingly or unknowingly. The new covenant we live under is signed with the blood of Jesus and overrules every generational curse and past behaviour. Lord, your command to Lazarus was to come out from the tomb. And today we make that decision to come out from our darkness. We ask, Lord, that you would renew our minds and restore our hearts. We want to see you and hear your voice clearly, Lord, so that we can speak of your goodness and your faithfulness. Unbind our hands and feet so that we can truly live in the joy and freedom of serving you and others for all the days to come. Thank you, Lord, for your grace for each one of us. Thank you for your love and compassion that moves you to set us free. We accept today, Lord, that you see us as worthy 
of receiving freedom. We say yes and amen to all you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together and let's declare that victory afresh in our hearts today over whatever circumstances you're facing.